The old saying, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. It's the biggest lie. People have been known to be 20, 30, 40 years down the line and still be suffering from words. Hello everyone, thank you so much for joining me today and welcome to the next episode of Influence Me with me, Shaney Ryan. With 45% of the world's population now using social media on a daily basis, we are now more and more influenced by the people that we follow. But social media is such a tricky space to figure out what's real and what's in the highlight reel. So I wanted to create this podcast to dig really deep and get to know the people we look up to and get to know the person behind the digital fame. With this podcast, I'm going to introduce you to some incredible people with amazing journeys and stories to share that you can either relate to or be inspired inspired by. Welcome to Influence Me. I first met Xavier well over 15 years ago now when we were both in the music industry but fast forward and neither of us sing or perform as much as we used to because we're far too busy talking for a living. Both of our jobs are now to ask questions. Mine to my guests and him to anyone who truly wants to improve their lives, listen to his words of wisdom and gain perspective. He is the only influencer that I've had on Influence Me who has a private Instagram page because he doesn't just want any passive followers. He only wants the eyes of those committed to self-improvement and personal growth. He doesn't just want anyone glancing over his page. His ethos is to challenge people's thoughts and help them get their mind right. I myself have seen the proof that his daily motivations and advice have literally saved people's lives. One thing is for sure, my mind is really excited to get to pick this very unique brain today. Please welcome to my sofa, Xavier the Life Coach. I said in your intro, you are the only influencer to have come on Influence Me who has a private Instagram page. Correct. That is almost counterintuitive that an influencer would have a private Instagram page. Yeah. Why is that? Um, and when did you decide, no, let me lock it off. Not just anyone is allowed to see what I'm doing. I need people to be invested enough to hit friend requests, so to speak. Yeah. I mean, I understand that um, we as humans have this, like this really weird thing that we're just very curious mm-hmm. about what's going on and what that person doing. Now, initially when I didn't have that many followers, um, I've always had it closed, by the way, always had it closed. And when I didn't have that many followers, people were intrigued by my appearance. Um, one of the, um, the guy who actually got me to start it up, um, and my close friend, um, Yanni, he has a million followers now, but at the time he didn't have that many. And we were going on a car trip. And he was saying, look, you know what, you should start, um, use your Instagram to you know, get more followers and like, people are going to want to know who you are. So I had my personal one. I'm like, later, I ain't getting complete strangers in my business. That's that's yeah. long. <laughs> so he goes, well, You're set up a new one. You're quite private anyway, aren't I am, you? You're I a am. private person. So he goes, well, set up a new one. So I set up a new one. I called it Xavier Entertainment at the time. And um, we went on this trip, this um, this rally, basically. And we went around Europe. Amazing rally. And he was tagging at me and everything. So people were like, who is this guy? So initially what I did, I put up, I had put up um, pictures of me with um, Whitley Houston, um, with Luther Vandross, Mariah Carey on Just some- casual pals, you know? You know, on some films that I'd done <laughs> and like the work back in the day that we did. Yeah. So people were like, oh wow, how do we not know about this guy? Because he's done this and done that. Yeah. So 
with that, people were starting to add me and add me and add me. And then I was like, okay, cool. So then the following bill, and then they started to look at me and cause Yanni being Greek and me being black and having the appearance that I have, they're like, well, why would he be your best friend? I know, it's so funny how people can literally judge a relationship based Correct. on appearance. Correct, and they do. I mean, Why would you two hang out together? You look nothing alike. This is the so thing. So weird. So it was, it was the curiosity that um, uh, made them follow and it was just me not wanting to have everybody in my business that closed it. And as my following grew and grew and grew, and more people just want to now know, they're like, well, if he's got that many followers, I'll add. And mm. that's what's happened with that. So it's, it's fine. Do you have a kind of vetting process when you accept someone or do you accept everyone for a period, see how their interaction is? How do people get into your world without being rejected is what <laughs> I want to know. Um, Luckily, I made it in. Yeah, no, you, you did, that wasn't luck. That wasn't luck. That was by design. Um, the thing is, is that I accept everyone. Um, more annoyingly to, to my friends, I respond to everybody as well. Right. So I get hundreds of emails. It depends on what the interaction is like. Um, there are a lot of people who I now have started to block because they're just just dumb, silly, you know, yeah. you block them and then they open another account and go, you block me on that account? And I'm like, okay, I'll block you on this one as well then. What does someone do to get blocked? Um, just say really, um, just aggressive things, some, some racially charged things. There's one particular person that just, um, everything I posted, they just put expletives and called me, you know, just like, like expletives, if you will. When they, when they um, cussed at me, I just liked their comment. And they kept on doing it, I kept liking their comment, they kept on doing it, they kept on saying the same thing. And then I said to um, one said, I said, well, I tell you what, I accept that you're gonna be abusing me, but do me a favor, at least be a little bit more creative. Right. And then they started calling me somebody else and I go, now you're working it. I said, if you're gonna do this thing, at least commit to it. Right. Literally, it went on for about a month and eventually they were like, you know, I really love you, what you do, I really like, and they turned into a fan. As a life coach now, you can't just reject everybody because you get a bad response. You have to try and figure out, and most of the time I know what it is, it's, it's nothing to do with me, mm. it's everything to do with them. What kind of advice would you give to maybe our younger listener today who is experiencing online bullying or trolling? When people say things about me, especially because they do now on social media and they hide behind the keyboards, I'm like, well, I don't agree with you. So because I respect me and my opinion more, mm. then it matters more. Yeah. rather than your twisted, bitter, confusing opinion. And the problem is, is that a lot of the people that are saying things, you don't know where they're coming from or what, yeah. they're at, you know, what their issue is. I always have empathy for people that online bully, because I always feel like there must be something going on in your life that is so sad or is affecting you in such a way that yeah. this is what you're turning to to make yourself feel better. So yeah. I always think approach those people with empathy and then it shouldn't affect you too much. That definitely, that definitely helps. But the only problem with being empathical with people like that is that you then leave yourself vulnerable and open to twisted people. Mm. So you have to have a buffer. You have to have the hand up to a degree where you can come so close, but any closer than that, then you're going to burn me with your fire and I can't have that. I like that. <laughs> How do you feel about digital fame? Because you are, you know, you hang around with Yanni quite a lot and you guys together, you're very recognisable. Mm. So therefore there is bound to be digital fame, especially when you are rolling around in probably some of the most standout cars, I would say, yeah. <laughs> in the UK. So there's no way you're going to miss you guys. <laughs> um, how do you feel about that kind of 
online celebrity trend, that digital fame, like, and how that's affecting you in your life? Do you so buy into it? It's absolutely 100% don't buy into it at all. And the reason being is because from a, from a very, very long time ago, I've been on television and done TV shows and done Top of the Pops um, and films, adverts. I've been on radio and all that kind of thing. So what happens is I understand what it feels like for people to come up to you and see you just performing. You know, people at, were at shows in Glastonbury and, you know, countries all around the world. So I've, I'm used to that, I understand that and I get it. So it's not something that's new to me. Mm. It's just something who, I, it's just a person who I've been, been in, the, being in the music industry for like 26 years. So it's calm for me, it's absolutely fine. What slightly frustrates me is the fact that you're now with the digital thing, it's like you don't have to have a talent. Mm. And people are actually, um, saying things to me, oh, I really like you, really like you, when I'm, not now, now it's different because they come, to, they talk to me regarding my life coaching um, information. Yeah. But before it was like, oh my God, you was on television. Like, yeah, but then how does that help you? Why is that important to you? Do you know? Yeah. Um, so that for me is the frustration. People who are on, who are influencers, if you will, who are just doing stuff that you can't do. So because I'm doing what you can't do, it makes me better than you. How does that, and so I struggled with it initially when we was doing the whole um, um, Xavier Entertainment handle. But now Xavier, the life coach, people come to me and they are more specific. They are more, you helped me with this, you did that. And that now is more information. That's more like, okay, cool. We have we have um, transaction here. What I love about following you on social media is it's a positive space. There's a lot of social media that is quite a negative space and there's a lot out there in the press about how social media is affecting people's mental health and making them feel bad about themselves and all that. You do not agree with that statement. You say that social media is a wonderful place and it's a positive place and you can learn from it. Why is that? Why do you disagree with that statement so much? I agree with you, yeah. but many people might may not. What's frustrating for me is that most people don't own their own issues. Because what it is, is I have social media and social media for me is phenomenal mm. because I use my social media to help complete strangers on a daily basis. Mm. Um, I have people who reach out to me and they say they want to come and meet me face to face or do a FaceTime. And there's obviously a cost for that, my time. And so I monetize it in that respect as well. So what's bad about that? Mm. What's wrong with that? There are certain people who are on social media posting some horrific things. So you follow, um, uh, you follow accounts that give you information. But what kind of information are you getting? Mm. Because essentially, um, you have to protect what comes into your eyes and what comes into your ears. Because that's how we receive information, right? Mm. So protect your eyes and protect your ears. Mm. If you're on social media and somebody's abusing you, block. It's gone. They say that um, social media is causing mental health issues and all that kind of stuff because people do not want to interact anymore. It's all about um, the algorithms, get more likes, get more this, get more that. And it's like, well, you do realise that very little of this is real. But then there was a study where people got more pleasure from getting lots of likes on a photo than they do from sex or their favourite food or you know, hanging around with family and loved ones, apparently more pleasure came from likes than it did from any of those things. So it's, it's the, the whole endorphins thing, yeah. the rush, and it's about approval. So a lot of 
people uh, are vying for approval from others. From Why your, is that? Let's from, dig into that. Why do we care? Well, if you think about it, it's, it's not even as a life coach, it's just as a human being. Um, from when we were very young, you are looking for approval of your parents. You're looking from, for approval from your peers, from your teacher, and you are taught to seek approval. So when you do something good, they go, oh, well done. Oh, you're so good. You're so good. And if you bring, could you get that for me? Oh, thank you. Thank you. So you are taught to do stuff for reward. As a child, as a young person. That's really interesting. And it's something that we never get away from. And then if you don't get the approval, then you do more to get approval. And then it's called attention seeking. And it's like, well, yeah, I do want attention because that's how we're born. We're brought into this world and then you're, like, you're, you're put into hands and then you're, you're nurtured and then you're nature and all this kind of stuff. And you just want to get approval from people, approval from teacher. Am I right? No, you're wrong. You're like, damn it. You go where you study and then you, you, um, you buy nice clothes because you want approval. You put makeup a certain way because you want approval. You get cars, you get X, Y, everything you get, you go to, you go to um, university. A lot of young people go to university now, do not want to be there. But they're going there because they want the approval of their parents. So they get stuff. There was a young man who I went to school with and um, he wasn't smart. He wasn't smart at all. But then I've seen him, I left school many moons ago, but I seen him like about five years ago. And um, I was like, hey, how are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm really good. I said, so what are you up to? He said, I'm a doctor. And I was like, you're who? He said, I'm a doctor. I'm like, wow. You were not smart. And I was like, you weren't that guy. And he's like, yeah, but I went to um, uni and I worked hard and I studied hard and I went to this and I, and I studied for like, I think it was like nine years. Wow. And he's actually got this thing. So I'm like, oh, wicked, that's amazing. That's fantastic. He's like, yeah, yeah. And there was nothing in his face. So I goes to him, so, you know, so what's going on? Yeah, I mean, I'm married, got a family and all that kind of stuff. And I, he's like, yeah, but I've seen your life and you look amazing. You're and he completely lit up when he saw my life. And then I realized that he was doing what they told him to do. Parents, society, um, you know, peers. And I was doing what I decided to do. And then because I connected 100% because it's authentically me, then I'm doing everything in time, on time with passion and purpose. He's doing everything out of sync, out of time because of duty. Okay, let me be devil's advocate. Go ahead. How does a guy in that situation who has now probably financial responsibility towards his wife and his kids and he's got a mortgage and all that stuff. Now, I know that the male suicide rate is really, really high. Correct. And I can imagine, um, and this is me not going off of stats or anything because I haven't got that to hand right now. But I can imagine a huge portion of those people are people in his situation who are just deeply unhappy yeah. with the path that they've got. And now they're stuck in that place yeah. or so they feel. If that's your client... How can you help them with that? How do they break out of that set of circumstances? The job varies, mm -hmm. but the situation, I, I guess, and the way that that person feels would be the same. Same. How do they get out of that? Where do you start when you've got all of that pressure? So um, you go back to a very, very pure and basic place. Um, one of the most important things for people to do is to forgive themselves. Because right. a lot of people live in regret. And I've said it before that depression is thinking about something that you can't change, trying to change it, and then having all the emotions attached to the frustration of not being able to change it. That's, that's your definition That's of how depression. I see depression, yeah. Okay. Because if you think about it, it's just people replaying images of the past. And it's not good images, it's bad images. Mm. It's not happening. It happened. But you're dragging your past into your present 
because most people, if you talk to them about something that's um, that's happened bad or some bad occurrence in their past, and they will connect to it right now like it just happened, tears, emotion, frustration, and all that kind of stuff. It makes it very now. So if you can conjure up those and what it does, it just releases stress hormones into the body. And if you can do that right here, right now, then you will be suffering every time you think about that thing. Now, if that thing happened 20 years ago, for 20 years, you've been thinking about that thing and you've been having all the stress hormones being released um, from it into you. And ultimately what happens is that you, you don't come out of it and then you get into bad cycles and then people rely on drugs, um, alcohol, whatever else. And then it's about taking them out of that. It's about bringing them right into the present. It's about getting them to be um, appreciative of what's happening, making them understand that your life is not over. And mm. the minute, the minute you change your mind, everything changes. And there's nothing as powerful. I mean, I've seen it. And I've seen clients sit down there and they, they're looking at me with just like complete, like they just lost misty eyed. And then I say something and it's like, and then literally you see them have this epiphany and everything starts to change. And then I lose them. I literally lose them in, and they started to apply my philosophy and my theory to this. And it's like, it works with that. And then you see them start to do this whole thing. And it's like, oh my God. And I'm like, you ready now? You ready now? They're like, yes, yes, yes. And then they start coming out of it. And then you start asking them questions. And it's like that Neo moment in the matrix when Neo realizes he's the one and then he's doing all these things. And then the X's and O's starts falling and you start picking the bullets out. And you're like, no, you no longer have control over my mind because my mind is right. I control my thoughts. And the minute you have that epiphany, it's difficult for you to not know that. But the only thing, not the only thing, but the thing that drags you back out of that is your old routine. So you go back to bed and then your alarm goes off and you press snooze three times. And then <laughs> you check your messages and all that kind of stuff. And then it's like, Shaney, why did you press snooze? It's like, what? Well, it's like, oh, okay. And there's, um, there's a gentleman that I um, so, so admire. And he says that what happens is that your body now becomes your mind your body does things and your mind doesn't think about it. There's times when you've driven from one place to another place and you've probably driven for like an, like 20 minutes. And if I stopped you in your car and go, stop! And you went out and I goes, what happened for the last 20 minutes? You'll be like, no idea. I've got no clue. So I go, so how did you get here? Uh, because the body's taking control. The mind's not even engaged. The mind has switched off and gone somewhere else and your body just does stuff naturally. Whereas if you're here and you're present, then you can tell me everything that happened. You can tell me what's walking past because you're now, you're present in the moment. And that's what I'm trying to get people to do. Be aware of your now, be aware of your mind and let your mind control your body and not your body control your mind because of routines. Yeah, that's really interesting because I would say that I am terrible at living in the present. I'm always thinking about the next thing. And I think also what can happen in that situation is you end up not realizing how great some of your circumstances have been or how great some of your achievements have been. Like obviously me and you have known each other for a long time throughout yeah. the industry and stuff. And there's huge portions of being on tour even, yeah. having amazing experiences, yeah. going to beautiful places that I 
don't really think I got to enjoy because I wasn't really present in the moment. Right. Thinking about the next thing, the next job, the next moment, what I'm going to do when I get home. Being in, being in the present, I think, is the the anchor for joy. Yeah. Because if you're not present, how can you experience active joy in the things that you're achieving and the things that you're you're doing? You're kind of missing the good part. You're absolutely focusing on the next part. So what you're doing is that you're you're living in the past and then you're living in the future. And what I call it is delayed gratification. So when I get this, then I will celebrate. When I achieve that, then I will celebrate. Constantly, people are looking for the whys of life and the how of life. And then when you're doing that, then, you look, then you're living in the, in the future. And then at no point are you living in the present. There's been times when I've been on stage. And I remember um, 1994, Glastonbury, Oasis was on the other um, stage. And I was on um, um, one of the big sound stage. We had 10,000 people. And it was overspill from the people that couldn't get to the Oasis stage. And they were all like in front of me. I was singing with a, um, a band called James Taylor Quartet. And um, they, we have this part in the, in the actual show where they walk off stage and I'm on the stage by myself doing this crowd participation thing. Mm. And then I go to them, listen, in years to come, my grandchildren will never believe that I've, I've actually been able to do this. So I goes, please indulge me, allow me to take a picture. So I ran off stage, grabbed the camera and took a picture. I still have it to this day. Took a yeah. picture like that. Just took like four pictures of all the people just throwing their hands up in the air like that. And it was because I was present in the moment. And that, I mean, it was old school pictures like. Yeah, I was going to no, say, there's yeah. no iPhone yeah, no, 11 no, there. No, no, no. <laughs> and it was because I was present and that will forever live with me. And it was always a thing where I was just like, I just want to be, I want to absorb the taste, the smell, the sound, the whatever. And just to make it all just soak into my senses. So important. Very few people do it. That is important. And what's also important is going back to the bit that we were talking about before with the guy and the um, the job that he was unhappy. Mm-hmm. And you were that guy. Yeah. So that's, you're speaking from experience yep. there. You were an engineer, right? Correct. Before you went into music. Yep. And then from music, you've gone into this. Um being an engineer, mm-hmm. how did you end up getting into that when it was something you didn't want to do necessarily? And then what was your process of get, stepping out of? Because what I really want to focus on with you as well in this conversation is how people can like literally today without having to sit down and because you you are you quite openly give information away yeah. for free on your yeah. page. So it's not yeah. like we're trying to sell your services without a paycheck. You do that anyway. Correct. How can somebody today have that wake up moment because they've not got you, you know, face to face walking them through it. You've done it yourself. What was your wake up moment when you kind of went, wait, I don't want to be an engineer. I want to, I want to make music. I want to sing. I want to perform. Yeah. Um, and, and what was your steps before you were this far down the line in, in your knowledge? Some, take yourself back to, so I was to pre Xavier, the life coach. Yeah. I was, I was Xavier, 20, coach. <laughs> 21 at the time. <laughs> and, um, I had had um, a job as an um, electronic engineer yeah. and I was servicing, maintaining and installing x-ray machines. I cannot imagine you doing that job. I mean, I was so good at it. Um, when I say I was so good at it, it was, it was something that, you know, I had to do just because it was impressive to my family and friends. So I was um, installing x-ray machines, working in MRI, magnetic resonance imaging. And um, I was doing that all the time and then, you know, did jobs in surveillance equipment and whatever else. Mm-hmm. And... I remember um, being on the London Underground, we used to put the cameras in and service the cameras during um, the night hours. And I remember being 
um, on the underground, walking through these tunnels to go to these operation rooms in these in these downstairs tunnels, and the acoustics underneath there were just amazing. I can imagine. And you know, I'll be singing, and people will be coming to find me, and they're like, "Oh my God, you should be a singer," and all that kind of stuff. I was like, "Whatever." Got made redundant from that job, and didn't know what I wanted to do. So what I keep saying to people, you don't have to know what you want to do to get the answer. Sometimes that's it's, interesting. Sometimes it's what you what you just know that you don't want to do. So, so it's what not- if you've got a list of 50 things you don't want to do, but you can't find the one? Because a lot of people do walk around going, but I don't have a passion. I don't, I don't know what I want to be. I don't know what job I want to do. A lot of people do feel like that. You and I are blessed that we have always had kind of, to an extent, that innate drive to mm-hmm. perform, which I think tells you what you want to do. Yeah. A lot of people don't have that. So a lot of people are very confused about their signals that are coming in to their head. So they want to try this, want to try that, want to try this, want to try that. And then in that, it's like, what are you gathering? What information are you actually gathering? So most people try to do what everybody else does. A guy messaged me and he said to me, um, one of the followers, he's go, oh, um, I just done a Google search and look at the algorithms and Life Coach has been... Um, search like X amount of thousands of time and it's it spiked I'm not saying it was because of me but I know that I went aggressively last year about just saying I'm a life coach and whatnot and it was one of these things where I was saying and then all of a sudden all these people messaged me oh I want to become a life coach I talk what, how you talk I say what you say I do what you do and all this kind of stuff and these people are like 21 I'm a grown man mm-hmm. and I'm saying why would you want to be a life coach because I've done this and because I've gone through that and I'm like okay cool but you haven't overcome it you're going through it. You're dealing with it. You can relate to women who've been raped, women who've been abused, guys who've been um, have suffering from mental health. You can relate to them, but you're still in there. Mm. So how can you bring somebody out of something that you're still in? The issue with a lot of people not being able to find um, what they want to do is that they don't steal themselves. And when you won yourself, because even when I left the engineering thing, my friends were saying, so what are you going to do? And I said, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I know I am not going to go back into working normal jobs. Literally hang out for a year, travelled for a year around Great Britain, Wales, Scotland, Ireland, Northern Ireland. And um, just had a really, really freeing experience, as it were. One day, a friend came up to me. She's like, what are you doing, Zab? Nothing. You want to come to the studio? Yeah, because um, we used to sing in church together. Mm. Went to the studio. There was um, a guy that didn't turn up. Um, the girl, it was a band called New Colours. Mm. So the producer was like, oh, do you know what? Um, I don't worry about it. She goes, cool, Zav will sing. So I was like, yeah, cool. So I went to the booth, sang. We was in there for about an hour singing. Came out and she goes, Zav, you need to sign this form. And I goes, form for what? She goes, um, just to get paid. And them days, West Indian parents were like, be careful what you sign because you might be signing <laughs> your life out here. So I was like, no, 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 I ain't signing no form. She's like, babe, you need to get paid for this. I goes, no, you're my brethren, isn't it? It's cool. She's like, Zab, not me, they pay you. And I'm like, well, you get paid for this because I've always sang, I never knew the worth because I've always just sang anyhow. And she's like, yeah, you get paid for this. And I'm like, well, how much do you get paid? And this was like 92. And she's like, you get paid 250 quid. And I was like, wait there, I've just been in there for an hour and we've been hanging out for an hour and you're going to give me 250 quid? She said, that's a good You would have done that for free anyway. I was doing it for free. (laughs) That's the problem. So then I was like, how can I get more of this? And she said, "Um, I'll speak to people. And then that was it. 
And it was just literally about being in tune with me, with my passion, my purpose, my direction, and what people are too busy doing. And the reason why you say what you say when people are struggling and they don't know how they is because they're, they're, yeah. fi- they're looking for everybody else. They're looking at everything else and they're trying to Google everything else. And we're literally everything you need, and it's frustrating, is already inside you as a seed. But all you need to do is water you. But most people spend time watering everybody else, building everybody else up, building everybody else up, building everybody else up. And there's a, a beautiful um, phrase that says, whatever you feed grows, whatever you ignore dies. Yeah. So I was always this person. I was always going to be a life coach. I knew that at the age of 13, I told my dad that I wanted to study psych- um, psychology. And my dad told me it's too big for me. Them days, we didn't have computers. We didn't have all this stuff to be able to go and do it myself. You had to call this man who came around and bought these encyclopedias <laughs> around your house. And then these encyclopedias took up so much room and cost so much money. But now, what frustrates me with people today is that you go on a computer, computer your phone... And you can become anything you want to become. Anything you want to become. If I wanted to learn a language, I had to go to the country to learn it or go to a tutor to learn it. Now you just pick up your phone and then you just learn how to speak a language. I can speak French, I can speak Spanish. You can learn how to become a rocket scientist just yeah. by pressing buttons. So it's easier. Then people people's. make it out to be. So you briefly spoke before about unplugging from the matrix. Mm-hmm. What is the matrix? And how do I unplug from it? So the matrix is the system. So you're born, you go to school, you repeat misinformation, I'm going to call it that, that you were taught at school. And then after you leave school, you go to higher education. Then you go to university. You leave university, you get a job. Um, Acronym for job is just over broke. And this job then encourages you to get things that tie you down and make you have to go to um, work, to, um, to this job, in order to be able to make money to pay for these things that you don't actually need or want, but you're told that you need them. And then you're given mortgages, which is like a noose around your neck, which keeps you going back to that job. So they have to figure out a way to keep you going back to the job. Then you have to get married, you have to have children, and children become another burden to some people. Marriages, you don't want to get married, but you should because that's what everybody else does. So then this is the matrix, and you get married, and then you have more children. The children go to school, and then you get older, and then you retire on the pension, and then you live in the system, and then your children go and do what they do, and then you get older, and you have grandchildren, and you become grandparents, and then eventually you die, you leave your children and everything, and then the cycle continues. That sounds hideous. It's what the majority do. Yeah. But the problem is, somewhere in that stage, if you pull your head out of water and if you start or unplug from the matrix, i.e. I don't want to work nine to five, I don't want to have that car, I don't want to have three children, I don't want to live in a big house, I don't want to this, I don't want to that. Then if you plug out of that matrix, then what you have now is your reality. So what is your reality? There's a, um, a young lady I know, she's a single mother. She lives in a two-bedroom house with um, two children. Um, and now the children are growing up and she says that she needs to buy a bigger house. And I was like, why? She's like, well, I just, you know, I want my office, but I need kids to have their own space and their own, um, to be able to move around. So I'm like, okay, cool. So how are you doing that? She's like, well, I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And she's putting herself into serious debt because she wants these children to have what she didn't have. 
so I say, so you don't want these children to struggle. You don't want these children to know the value of the thing and what it's worth. Because when I grew up, I grew up in a three bedroom house and there was nine people in there. Wow. Six boys in one bedroom, three bunk beds, mum and dad in the other bedroom and my sister in the other bedroom, in the box room. And it was the single most amazing thing that's ever happened to me in my life. Because what it taught me is how to communicate and how to connect and how to share and how to listen and how to talk and how to interact. Because every single day I had five other humans around me talking, it taught me how to listen. It's one of the reasons why I'm so, I hear clearly. It taught me how to be economical with my conversation because I was the youngest. And if I got a chance to speak, I had to make it count. Right. Otherwise they'll be shutting me down. I wasn't allowed to speak because I didn't have any information. I, everything that I was saying, it's a problem with young people nowadays. They want you to listen to what they have to say and they want you to believe everything they say. And it's like, okay, cool. What you say might be right, but you're not qualified because only life qualifies you to be able to say what you say. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. So what happens is I would be doing this and I would do that. Okay, you haven't done it. And there's too many permutations that will cause you not to do it because I can run, I can put a ball down and I can ping that ball into the goal and I can hit it in the goal every single time. But put me in a stadium with 60,000 people screaming at me. It's the last minute and we're, um, we're losing. And if I score this, then everything changes. Okay, now pressure changes every single thing. Now I scuff the ball, not because I can't hit it, but because I'm focusing on the pressures and the external pressures. So it's easy to say, I can do that when there's no pressure around you. Mm. But put a little pressure on you, then you'll find out who's who. So ultimately, it's about being able to understand those principles in order to be able to now go ahead and do it. So young people, I say to them, relax. The one thing you have on your side is time. Um, there's this thing that says time, money and energy, young, middle age, old. And at most stages in your life, you are lacking time, money or energy. When you're young, you've got time, you've got energy, but no money. When you're middle age, you've got money, you've got energy, but no time. When you're old, you've got money, you've got time, but you've got no energy. So at each stage, you're you're missing out something. And it's about being able to try and find the balance between those. So at an earlier stage, I didn't have the money, but I had the time and I had the energy. And then the money started coming and I had the money, time and energy. And it was like, I just carry that through because I didn't plug into the matrix, which said, as soon as I get money, you have to buy stuff. You have to have things. It's like, cool. There's a whole bunch of rich people who are unfulfilled and died unfulfilled, but wealthy. I have a lot of wealthy clients. I have a lot of students. So my oldest client is uh, 60, youngest is 17. And I charge them both the same amount. But its value, the information that I give them, is worth completely different things to yeah, the both to of, them. Each of them. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's just about people finding, their, finding that thing. And that's what I try to encourage in our conversation. So if you were to give uh, the listeners today three things that they could do to help them unplug from the matrix, what would it be? Check your routine. Check what you do naturally without even thinking about it. Ask yourself, am I doing this because I want to do it or because everybody else is doing it? 
then figure out whether you actually get any enjoyment from what you're doing. And if their answer is no? Change. Immediately? Immediately. The quicker you change, the, the more, the quicker you'll be able to see change. But then if somebody's in the situation of that guy that you referred to the other day, the doctor, for example, the earlier the doctor, mm-hmm. somebody's in that situation, they can't just give up their job and... Because? Well, I'm playing devil's advocate here because I know people will be sat there saying all of these things because mm-hmm. it's what comes into my head. Um, okay, so if I give up my job, then I can't pay my mortgage, I lose my home and then my kids are homeless. Okay, so you have to employ... You know, just common sense. Of course, take this as black and white. Of course, and there has to be. You have to employ common sense. Essentially, there are people who have been married, for argument's sake, for umpteen years, and then one day a guy gets up and walks away and never comes back again. Leaves his children, leaves his wife, and everything else. And these people walk away, and people are like, "How do they do that?" And it's like because they've had enough. So, the straw that broke the camel's back that kid that's been bullied all his life and never done nothing about it, and then this one person just said, oh, you're an idiot, and then lashes out. We've all got this stuff that we've, we've got pent up, frustration, anger, and all these things. And all it takes is for this one thing to pop for us to do whatever madness. I say instigate it. I say actually actively look at it and decide, well, okay, cool. When I made the decision when I was younger that, I'm not going to go and do what my, my friends are doing. People are like, yeah, but you know, it's like, it's like, I'm like, cool. But then what I risked was having everything that my friends had, which was marriage and um, homes and all this kind of stuff, because instead I enjoyed my life. Whereas they did what the matrix said. So they got, my friends have far more assets than I do. And in regards to material stuff, but the life I lived, the memories I created, can't compare. How do you feel about the fact that they have more assets than you now? It still doesn't bother you. I know what values, what I value more. And what about the marriage and kids thing? Do you have any? No. I know what I value more. Right. Because I value, because if you think about it, life is remembered in moments. We don't have bad days. We have bad moments that we continue to process, which turns into a bad day. So the moment happens. And then because we keep recycling it and keep repeating it and keep regurgitating it, then it turns into a day's worth of bad thoughts that you've just spiraled. You've heard this thing that they say bad things happen in? Threes. Why? I would say because one bad thing happens and then it's kind of an allure of attraction thing. Then you start just attracting other bad things. But they say threes. in a negative place. Don't know why threes. So it was somebody that said something really bad that everybody just jumped on board of. Nobody questioned it. So I say bad things don't happen in threes. Guess what? It doesn't happen in threes. Because you just said the law of attraction. I agree. So when people start having bad thoughts and bad things, they say, oh, oh my God, it's going to go worse. And then invariably it spirals yeah because if you're telling yourself you're expecting three bad things then you're literally going to be out there attracting the second and third thing so let me let me come back to your question how can i leave this job where am i going to find money from where am i going to find money from where am i going to get this where am i going to get that so if that's your focus stay where you are and you're staying there because of fear it's never a good thing for you to build on essentially you want foundations that is is built ultimately on 
they say it's like you have a you have a living in fear or you have a living in love. And if you're living in fear, then you won't do things because of the consequences of the worst scenario. And it's no way to live because you won't do this, you won't go here, you won't do that, I can't have this because, because, and then you've literally shut down all, you shut all doors. You shut your possibility yeah. off completely. And this, this is why people are doing what they're doing. Because of the fact that they are afraid of, mm. and I'm like, I don't really have that. So people are like, yeah, but, life coaching, yeah, but how are you gonna find clients? I'm not sure. Yeah, but what if you don't find any clients? And I'm like, you see that conversation, I don't actually, in, you know, I don't talk like that. You how I talk it, is, yeah. how I talk is laws of attraction, if you will. I am a life coach. I am an answer. And this is one thing that I need to, um, I would like to put out there to um, your listeners, is that there's problems everywhere. People are looking for solutions. There's questions constantly. People are looking for answers. Mm. If you want to be relevant, you must have value. So if there's a problem, you present the solution, you win. If there are questions and you can provide answers, you win. Mm. So I attract people to me, hence why I keep my, um, uh, my Instagram closed, because people are saying, come listen to this guy who's giving you, who's challenging your thoughts, who's giving you a perspective that I thought in the back of my head, but I thought it's just me because nobody else speaks about it. It's not pushed to the forefront. But listen to what this guy says. And he seems like a normal guy because he does what we do. He goes where he goes, he hang out and all that kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden people start to challenge their thoughts and then growth occurs. Hey guys, just a quick break to tell you about our sponsors. I wanted to tell you about my favorite new app. It's called Kindred. In a nutshell, Kindred allows you to share the things that you love whilst also donating to the charity of your choice. Yes, it's literally as simple as that. You post your favorite new coat, trainers, lipstick, or any other product that you choose from the Kindred app. Then you make a genuine recommendation to your followers and a percentage of every sale goes to your favorite charity. And if that wasn't good enough, a percentage of the sale also goes directly to you too. But if you're feeling super flush, you can always choose to give all of your commission away. You can download the app at www.kindred.co. That's www.kindred.co. Kindred, share what you love. You use the word value a lot. <laughs> but you use it in kind of different capacities. What does the word value mean to you? It's more about worth, your worth. Mm. And if you know your worth or your value, then you won't just give it away cheaply. Aha. Uh -huh. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, I do. So a lot of people give away, they, a lot of people don't know their value. They don't know their worth. Is that because they're looking for it from external places? You know, like we were saying about... Correct. Uh, uh, they want a validation, they want external approval. So yeah. therefore, if they don't get it, then they, they feel like they don't have value. Right. So how do, you, how do you improve your own value? How do you improve your own self -worth? So it's, again, it's a lot to do with meditation. And when you think meditation, people think fold your leg, yogi, hum, karenge, or whatever else. <laughs> and meditation is just simply sitting down stilling yourself, wanting yourself, closing off visual and audible sounds and whatever else and closing that off and just saying to yourself over and over and over and over and over again, 
That's what it is. It's about almost reprogramming the mind to be able to actually think and understand things in a different pattern to what everybody else is doing. I walk down a road that everybody walks opposite. I walk against the grain. Um, so people go to me, oh, why don't you, your, your, um, your beard, that colour, it looks really, it makes you look older and blah, blah, blah. And I go to them, yeah. They go, yeah, but why don't you shave it off because then you look much younger. So I don't have a problem with looking old. And their face is like, but everybody wants to look young. I go, I know, but I don't. So does that make me weird or does that make me different? Because I don't care about those types of things. Um, my friends, we have this little bit of a banter where they keep saying, Zav, why don't you wear skinny jeans and all this kind of stuff? And I'm like, <laughs> it's not age appropriate, number one. But um, we're just having that. And I go, they go, you like these big jeans? And I'm like, yeah, I like what I like. The trend now is skinny jeans. But then that, putting your hands in pocket, where am I going to hold my stuff? And I said, it's not practical. That's why I don't wear it. That's why I don't do it. And they're like, oh, you're just so old school. You're so old school. But again, I don't get tempted by those things. Yeah. I went out and bought a pair of skinny jeans the other day, but it was elasticated. I wore them and I was like, I'm not sure I like them. But I, I, on my Instagram, I, I posted a picture and people were like, oh my God, you're wearing skinny jeans and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I'm like, you chiefs. But it is a case of, a lot of people get affected yeah. by social media and by what people say and um, how other people value you, right? Get affected. But as long as you don't get infected you're all right yeah because too many people get infected and the minute you get infected then you're doing it to yourself affected is somebody saying something to you infected is you saying it to yourself and i say to them you've got to you've got to you know just put barriers up and protect you in boxes and they say protect yourself at all times but these people are walking around vulnerable throwing their heart at anybody and that person who you're throwing your heart towards it's totally twisted. So they're doing this with your heart and you're like, okay, that's what I'm used to. Yeah. And then because you're used to it, then it's like this thing that you're looking for that now. Whereas I say to people, one yourself, learn you, challenge your thoughts, get your mind right. And then ultimately you attract the right people towards you. You attract all the love towards you. You attract money towards you. I don't chase money. I never have. Mm. Money's not an issue to me, but I know that in my, in my spirit and in my heart, I'm a multi-millionaire, so I walk around like I am. And people look at me and say, and I'm like, don't worry about it, man. And people go to me, are you, are you, are you rich? And I'm like, yeah, because that's how I see myself. Wow. And I carry myself a certain way. Some people look at it as arrogance. Some people look at my Instagram and um, I've got people who are, who are wealthy and they go, bro, if I look at your Instagram, are you just so positive and you're just so happy? And I think to myself, you know, I've got millions, but you, I look at you and I think to myself, why, why am I not... Xavier happy. Yeah. And I'm like, because your happiness is based on different things than mine is. So people work all their life, like I said, the matrix, and then you end up at 40, 50, and you're a multimillionaire. You've got, uh, um, you got several businesses. You've got homes everywhere. Your children are in private school. Your wife doesn't want it for anything. She runs around, got her own four by four, and she's got... Um, your credit card and she spends £5,000 a month allowance and all that kind of stuff. And then you sit back and look at it and you think to yourself, I've got everything, but why am I still unhappy? It's because at some stage, you lost you. Right. And you became dad, you became husband, you became provider, you became mum, you became grandma, you became work colleague. But then at what stage were you Shaney? 
were you Xavier? Because now you'd identify yourself and you actually see yourself as all these titles and not you. So then whatever you feed grows. You, you, you as a mum grow, you as a dad grow, you as a, um, uh, a, a wife grow. But at what stage do you feed you? And it's why I say to people constantly, me first. Even me in a relationship, first. even as a especially, parent. Especially, 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 especially. If I'm full... I can pour out into other people. When I'm empty, what am I pouring out? Nothing. I'm pouring out expressions of the thing. So your children, you've given everything to your children. You're empty, you're tired, you're frustrated, you're, you, you, you're not fulfilled in what you wanna do. You wanna go away, but you can't because these children, and now these children represent frustration. But you still have to love them because they didn't ask to be here. So you go to them and you give them what you, sh the signs of, I love you and you hug them. All right, take care now. See you later. Go and have a good day at school. And then all of a sudden you've gone back to that person. And it's because you don't feed you. Whatever you feed grows, whatever you ignore dies. So then people go throughout life thinking that I can't put myself before the kids because I have to put the kids first. And then they do this thing where couple get together, you make children couple ignore each other, pay attention to children. Couple become mummy and daddy, not boyfriend or man and wife, and not themselves. So children get that. And then when you are now sat together, because you don't know who you are and he don't know who he is, you just sat like this and then the TV becomes your entertainment because it takes away from stuff. And then you've not got your hobbies anymore, you don't see your friends anymore, you don't do this anymore, and you starve you, you die. Yeah, that's so interesting. And then the relationship with the children grows, but your relationship dies. So I keep saying to couples, this created that. That didn't create this. Right. So why are you ignoring that? So I say, me first. So it's massively important that we, we see more value in ourselves. Like I keep coming back to that word. Because when you see value in yourself, you understand um, the, the order of things. I was speaking to a client recently and he had his whole thing back to front, women as well as men. There's a lot of women that I know that are in their mid forties now that are in deep regret because they haven't had the family because they chased the career. Right. And then now they're trying to find a man and now the man that they're looking for is not their equal because they spent so much time being in an environment where they are aggressive and men are your enemy and men are, you have to beat this man. And now you're trying to be with a guy romantically but unfortunately, you still can't differentiate between man work and man romance because I'm still used to being the aggressor. And then all of a sudden, it's like you're turning your relationship into your business and your business into your relationship. You're not compartmentalizing. And then there's a whole bunch of madness. Men who have been said, I'm going to put my work first because I need to work because I need to earn money to give to my kids. And it's like, OK, cool. You do know that your children don't want your money. They want your time. They want you. Mm. And that's the one thing you're starving them of. And you're saying to them, I can't because I have to work. Bad information. So now your children don't appreciate your work. Because now, cool, but your work is taking us, you away from us. Yeah. So then now you're blaming your work for not being with the children. And then you're blaming the work for the wife. And then the wife is getting resentful. And then all these kind of stuff because people don't get their values actually correct. Me first, then my wife, not the children, then my wife, 
then the children. The children will absolutely fly if they see a relationship between mummy and daddy. Imagine how many, how many families that look like 2.4 children, perfect families, but the kids are getting a terrible example of what terrible. a relationship should look and feel like. Mum screaming at dad, dad screaming at mama, not because they hate each other, but because they're under pressure. Mm. And then oh, all you do is work, all you do is look after the kids. It's like, wow, there's a tit for tat thing going on now. Yeah, well, if you did do really that. That's really destructive, isn't it? The tit for tat. Words. And um, again, I, I wanted, let me t- touch on it quickly. Um, they, the, the old saying, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. It's the biggest lie. Yeah, words and do hurt, And sure. words, sticks and stones will break your bones and your bones will repair. But people have been known to be 20, 30, 40 years down the line and still be suffering from words, words that somebody said to them when they were kids. So words are so important. So children hear parents exchange and talk to each other. And a lot of the time the parents are doing it out of frustration, out of hurt, out of loss of themselves and whatever else. Whereas I say to people, if you simply put yourself first, and look after yourself, treat yourself, love yourself, then you're so full that you have enough to start giving other people. You say words are important. Mm -hmm. One of the pet peeves for you, which I know from previous conversations, is I feel. (sighs) They're two words that you cannot stand. And when you explain to me why, I get it. So I think it's something that needs to be shared. So this particular generation as well, they do, they, they speak from, and most people say, I feel, you know, I just feel like, I feel like as though you do. I feel like it's such a like. common phrase, isn't it? I feel like, I feel like, I feel like. And it's, and it's become a common phrase in recent years. I, I want to say like five, in the last five years, maybe even, that it's become something that everybody says, I feel. And I'm like, all right, cool. I'm not telling you to ignore your feelings because they're very important. However, stop making decisions based purely on your feelings. Because a lot of people do that. And then like, I'll be talking to someone, yeah, I feel like as though you're disrespecting me. Okay, I know that's what you feel. But you quite clearly know that I'm not disrespecting you. Yeah, but it's how I feel. All right, cool. Well, challenge that feeling then. Because I'm telling you I'm not disrespecting you. Yeah, but if I feel like you, you're disrespecting me, then you should respect my feelings. Okay. So how long is that going to last now? Because your feelings change from moment to moment. If I came in your, if I came in here now and it was cold, I would feel cold. You turn the heating up, I feel warm. I want to take off clothes, put on clothes, take off clothes, and that's feelings. If I ask you what one plus one is, and I always keep it this simple, you're going to tell me two. If it starts raining inside your house, window goes and it starts getting wet, or there's a flood somewhere, God forbid, right? And you're panicking now, and I ask you what one plus one is, it's going to be two. Why hasn't it changed? Because it's facts. Right. Whereas feelings are constantly changing, but people make decisions based on feeling. And it's why we have houses, um, establishments, sorry, that house millions and millions and millions and millions of people around the world that acted on their feelings. And it's called prison. Wow. Because if you go into prison and ask people why they're there, they're not there based on something that they know was the right thing to do. Some of them are. There's a yeah, small some, percentage. Yeah, but be. most of them are there because they did something based on how they felt at a particular moment in time. 
they carried a knife, knowing that if you did something, if you carried a knife, the potential is blah, blah, blah. They stab a person, that person dies. They didn't think they was gonna die. They're having an argument and this guy's getting on a nerve and they punch the guy, the guy falls, hit his head on the ground, which has happened to clients of mine. Um, hit his head on the ground, dies. Now you're up for a manslaughter charge and you're in prison. Clients of mine who have done um, robberies and done things who you think to yourself, why did you do it? Oh, because I want to make money. And then you get incarcerated. Now you've got a criminal record. And this little bit of money that you might have got, you now valued nothing. Because I felt, I felt, I feel, I feel, I feel. And I say, cool, I hear what you feel. Now tell me what you know. Because what you know is more important to me. Because you know one plus one is two. Right. That's so powerful. <laughs> I, even though I've heard you say this to me more than once, like every time I hear it, it's still powerful because it just makes complete sense. But it's, we spend too much time in our feelings and because our feelings are constantly changing, then, and we're making decisions based on something that's not, um, that's not stable, mm. then it's crazy. Then every decision that you make from a place of feeling purely, um, uh, one of my, um, a person who I look up to, he said it like this, you want feelings in the car, but you don't want feelings driving. Mm. Because then feeling is gonna be like, you know, you know you, when you're in the car and somebody cuts you up and you just feel like going off on them, but it's like, oh, just cool. They just cut you up. They haven't, they haven't personally abused you, you know? It's just, it could be any car, yeah. but you're taking it so personal. I just felt like I saw you were disrespecting man, and I can't have that, ah. And it's like, relax, if you, Breathe deep and chill, it's gone. Yeah. And then you take that with you. If we were putting that into a situation where, let's go back to the husband and wife situation, mm -hmm. um, because I think a lot of people listening will really take a lot away from that. Yeah. Me first and, and that everything that we just discussed. You've got husband and wife, they're both under pressure, both stressed in an argument, mm -hmm. and they're trying to resolve that argument that line, I feel like, will be the dominant line. Correct. I guarantee in that conversation. How do you reframe that conversation? Find your resolve, taking I feel out of it and dealing purely on facts with the level of emotions that you would expect in a relationship and a, an argument, for example. Okay, so I have... Um, Just because I wanted some practical kind of takeaway No, I hear you. I totally hear you. So I, um, I um, life coach couples, married couples and... Um, just like boyfriend and girlfriends, if you will, but mainly married couples. And the one thing, I actually said it um, today on my, um, my talks, what people, when they're having arguments, it's about manipulation. It's about, I'm right and you're wrong. I'm right and you're wrong. And I'm going to say whatever I say in order to prove that I'm right mm. and you're wrong. And in truth... When people are having arguments, he's kind of right, she's kind of right. Mm. He's kind of wrong and she's kind of wrong. So I always say this, it's not about wrong and right, even though there is that. And if I'm right and you're wrong, I'm not going to rub that in your face. But I want you to have one thing and I want to attain one thing and that's called understanding. Because once you have understanding, then you move forward without the problems. 
but it's because of the fact that you've got a perception of, he's got a perception of, and then you have no understanding, you have no common ground. And then I feel like as though I feel, I feel, and then you're so strongly in your feelings that you do. I mean, people do some heinous things from a place of feelings. And if you know that it's just a feeling, and if you know that I married you, I love you, and not just in words, but in actions, then what's the most important thing here? It's understanding. Mm. It's not even about, even when I'm right, I'm not gonna rub it in your face. And you're like, you're like, yeah, no, you know what, you're right. And I goes, all right, fine. But that's not what, that was not the goal. The end goal should always be understanding. What I've found with, um, with my um, clients is that a lot of people have their own personal issues. Yeah. And they're projecting that on you. Definitely. So because you're projecting your madness That's onto them. That's in friendships them, as well and relationships with your parents, any relationship relationships, that you have. Yeah. Relationships, totally. And because you're projecting your madness and your issues and your dramas and your um, whatever. Okay, let's do it like this. You meet a girl um, or guy and the last relationship had all these kind of like traumatic issues. You're not fully recovered from it, but you just want to be with somebody else. That person starts loving you, but then they say something that that last person said. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you've gone straight into your feelings, which takes you back to the emotion, which makes you start thinking, oh my God. And then your barriers go up, and then this person, you start treating that person like that person. It's not the same person. Yeah. But then invariably, if you start treating this person like that person, that person turns into because you've got your cycle that you're used to and you bring everything into your cycle because you haven't changed your mind. Because there's a lot of people out there speaking about relationships who will say, I always attract this type of guy. Then or you I always, always attract that type of girl. Then you always will. Because it's, again, law of attraction and there's something in you. Life has this thing. Life will teach you the lessons you need to learn in time on time. Because I said, because people are- In time and on time. There you go. I like that. Give me that line once more. Life will teach you the lessons. Let people sink that in. <laughs> Life will teach you the lessons in time and on time. Yes, but the will. problem is, is that most people are not in tune and they're not paying attention. So you have to go around again and again and again until you come in time and you're on time to be able to receive that piece of information. Yeah. I always say that about, um, you know, thinking about a girlfriend of mine in a relationship and doesn't want to leave that relationship, even though it's clearly bad for them. Yeah. And everyone's like, you got to leave him, you got to leave him. My, I always say to her, you will leave when you're ready, when you are good and ready mm -hmm. and not before, and not because anyone told you you should, yeah. when you know that it's the right time for you to leave. And that, I guess, is a... When, when that happens, let's go into it a little bit. When I sit down and women talk to me about um, relationships, the one thing that really bugs them is that when I talk to them about relationships, I always talk to them about them. And they always say, he did this and mm. he did that and he did this and he did that. I go, cool, he's not here, so I can't really make you right or wrong on that. But what I wanna know is what you did. Yeah. I didn't do anything and I didn't do anything. <laughs> I go, okay, cool. So at what well, point- that's your problem, first of all. Let's just start with the fact that you don't you didn't think do anything. you did anything. <laughs> so I'm like, at what point are you actually in this relationship? Well, well, he did this. I go, all right, let's do this. Let me do this because you're paying for this consultation. He ain't. And he ain't here. So let's speak about you. What did you do? And the minute you hold somebody accountable and challenge their own thoughts, then it's the breakdown of, oh, my days. Can I say, and I say, this is why. 
I can pull him out of the equation, but the common denominator will always be you. And then we have that conversation about where the past was and then we grow out of it. And then now you're aware of what you're doing, what you're saying, what you're thinking, and you're aware of your actions, and you start making conscious better decisions. Wow. People, you know how many people? <laughs> you said I was going to say wow a lot in this, actually. I did, I did. <laughs> and I am. A lot of people will be listening to that going, shit then, what am I, <laughs> what am I doing? You know, it, accountability. And here's the, So many people are not accountable for their actions. Here's the worst thing, and here's what people don't realise when you try to hold them accountable. If you are not accountable for your actions, you have no control. So in, this, in essence, you've given the control to the other person and they are your remote and they turn you off and on, up and down. They flip the channel when they're ready because you've given them all the control. Mm. Taking back the control looks like, what have I done? What's my part in this? What's my role in this? How have I made mistakes? And the minute you start doing that, you gain accountability and you gain control over your own crap as you were mm. yeah and it's, i guess it's when people aren't accountable and they are blaming everyone else for everything that they feel lost and they feel it's the victim mentality yeah victim mentality yeah. for sure um we're getting towards the end i've gone on way longer with you than anybody else because i knew it was just going to be information <laughs> that shouldn't have a cut off but we're getting to that point last thing that i really wanted to speak to you about is something that is actually an epidemic in the uk and in the world um and that's loneliness. Yeah. You're someone that I know loves their own company. Mm -hmm. You live alone. You don't mind it. In fact, you enjoy it. I live alone. I train alone. You love it. When so many people are suffering from loneliness, how have you managed to make loneliness one of your most kind of special places and being alone and, and making that feel like something you enjoy yeah. rather than something you suffer with? Yeah. So it's not, again, I will say, it's not a feeling. It's not something that I feel I have to enjoy. It's something that I understand as me being alone and not lonely, which is a completely different thing because there are people who have tons of friends and tons of people around them constantly and they are lonely. Very lonely, yeah. Right. But me being alone, being all by myself allows for me to be able to learn myself, to be able to figure out things about myself, to be able to challenge my thoughts, to be able to enjoy really, really basic, simple things. And it's not even just as, a, as an older man, but it's as a child. One thing that I do tons of, tons of, tons of, tons of is dream. Really? I, I dream a lot, I daydream a lot. And that allows for you to wander off into the land of possibilities. And in there is nothing but growth. So people are alone and they think about me being alone and what everybody else, social media, he's on holiday, she's on holiday, they're there, they're there, they're doing this, they're doing that. And we know what that's about. And that's just about you feeding this thing that makes you feel really bad about yourself as opposed to they're enjoying their life. You're allowed. I'm enjoying my life. And me being alone allows me to dream. One of the one of the most amazing things that children do when they're young is dream about stuff. And then we drag them out of their dream and pull them into reality. You've got to do this, you've got to get jobs, you've got to get good grades, you've got to do, you've got to this, and they're like, okay, 
okay, and then now they're forced into a mold that is not natural mm. to them. They're forced into a, a, a jacket that's way too short and way too tight and they can't extend their arms because it's, you know, it doesn't give you no movement. And then you're put in a straight jacket, which is what life does to a lot of people. And then when you're in there, then you feel isolated because you're not doing what you do. Again, it's not being authentically yourself. So then people feel like as though they can't feel like, feel, fit, fit, fit feel like they can't talk to anybody <laughs> about it because everybody else is doing it. So I just keep it all to myself. And the minute you shut up and internalize is when you're in trouble. Wow. I said, wow, again. Yeah, because that's, <laughs> that's, that's the thing, right, where most people are struggling and then people have mental health issues because, I mean, some people actually really do have mental health issues and I will not rubbish that on any level. And there's a chemical imbalance that occurs yeah, in your brain like that science. doesn't allow for you to um, function properly, schizophrenia and all these types of things. And there are there is medication for that. There is means of that. But there are some people who kind of like spiral into this into this um, abyss because of, again, and I and, and I say it to constantly people come to me and I'd like to know about, you know, what happens in these sessions. And I go, it's so simple and I'm not going to complicate it, but you need to listen to me when I say this. How do you work? I challenge your thoughts. So what does challenging your thoughts do? Get your mind right. But how do you get my mind right? By challenging your thoughts. <laughs> and then how do you challenge my thoughts? By challenging your thoughts. And then it gets your mind right. And because people want to hear something so much more extravagant, then they don't receive it. And I like, just take it down. And then I meet my clients and then I'm talking to them. And I ask them questions and one of the favorite answers or one of the favored answers of most people when you ask them about themselves and what they're doing and why they're doing what they're doing is, I don't know. And I've spoken to grown academics, um, business owners, really smart children, um, like geniuses pretty much. And I've said to them, do me a favor. For the duration of this conversation, do not say, I don't know. And they're like, all right, cool. So I said, so why do you do that? Um, I don't know. And then literally they hear themselves, they hear themselves and I go, what's wrong with you? And they're like, I can't believe that because they don't challenge their thoughts. There's never a time when they really have anybody say to them, why did you do what you just did? Because when I ask most people, who are you accountable to? Most people say, no one. So if you're not accountable to no one, at what stage do you take account? Mm. The answer is, we don't. Wow. So your account- And that's why they pay you the big bucks. <laughs> <laughs> well, not big bucks, well, but yeah. Well, not enough by so, the sounds of things. So your account is all out, of, all out of sync. And then what happens is XTLC, Xavier the Life Coach, or if you want to relate it differently, HMRC, do a, uh, you, you like that one? I got that one. HMRC. That could have gone over my head, but trust it didn't. Me. HMRC says, I want to see your accounts. And you're like, um, and you know, HMRC are stringent. And then people start looking at the accounts and I start making you make, um, take account for what you do. And then it's like, huh? Then I ask you one plus one questions and you can't answer me. And the, what I don't know actually means is I haven't thought about it. Yeah. 
That's what it translates to. Correct. And because you haven't thought about it, then it does what it does. You have no control over it. You have no way of making it do what you want it to do because you spent no time with it, nurturing it, taking care of it. And bringing it back to the world of social media, I feel like people don't know because they haven't thought about it because people spend a lot of time aimlessly doing stuff that's really not that important and not being comfortable spending time alone. None of it's within their passion, none of it's within their purpose. It's just a remit that everybody else adheres to that they do the same with. Thank you so much. You're more than welcome, man. Thank you for having me. That was incredible. I mean, um, my mind is blown. This episode is the one that I said wow the most in. (laughs) And I also really feel like I am going to be listening to this time and time again as a listener as well as being the person that put this podcast together. This is um, what I love about making this podcast. Every single conversation that I have and have had is a blessing um, to me, but also a blessing because I am lucky enough to be able to share with you these unique amazing incredible people that i'm bringing onto this podcast um and today we've had another viewpoint a new perspective and this guy you should definitely be following on social media if you want a positive impact on your world on a daily basis check in on his stories thousands of people do so um he also aims to reply to every single message that he gets so follow connect and i encourage you to make sure that your social media is the most positive place that it can be If this episode helped you in any way or you simply just enjoyed listening, please do subscribe and rate this podcast wherever it is that you listen so that episodes like this that really help people can reach more people and share wisdom that we have discovered here today. Um, Don't forget to share this with anyone in your life that you feel might benefit from anything that we've spoken about today because the point is that this podcast can help you, inspire you or that you can relate to it. Um, If you do follow on social media, make sure that you're following me at Shaney underscore Ryan and uh, yeah, check back in two weeks when we've got our next episode. Thanks for listening. I just wanted to say a mega thank you to our sponsors today, Kindred. Share what you love. Influence Me was written and presented by me, Shaney Ryan, and produced and edited by Dawn Kelly for Birdline Media. Follow them at Birdline Media and follow me on Instagram at Shaney underscore Ryan. Our theme music is by Jaylee Music. And if you like today's show, be sure to rate us wherever you listen to your favourite podcasts. Thanks for listening and see you in two weeks when you can catch my next special guest. <laughs>